Those details are critical and they transfer to everything you do. That's today's guest, author and classroom management guru, Michael Linson, identifying some of the low-hanging fruit many of us aren't taking when it comes to managing our classrooms effectively. Welcome to Music at Insights. I'm Alan Fire, here with Steve Shandley. Each episode, Alan and I talk with national thought leaders in music education with practical insights for K-12 music educators. Steve, tell us about our guest. Michael Linson founded Smart Classroom Management in 2009. He has taught every grade level from kindergarten through high school for the past 31 years and is the author of six best-selling books. He has teaching credentials in elementary education, English, drama and dance, and physical education, and an advanced degree in educational counseling. He's a frequent guest on podcasts and radio programs, advises school leaders and administrators, and works tirelessly to transform the American public education system. Find Michael's full bio, show notes, and resources at www.musicatinsights.com. What was a high point for you in this interview, Alan? Students respond best when they are treated well and given clear, high expectations. Linson makes an eloquent case for both parts of that. What about you, Steve? I like how he talks about the small fires or little things that, if they are ignored, can eventually blow up into far larger and more stressful problems. His insistence on total clarity and specificity is music to my ears. Clarity is a silver bullet. Let's get to our conversation. Michael Linson, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, one reason that I like to use your classroom management book with my students is because it's very practical. But I also appreciate the fact that you are very honest. There will be bad days. There will be tough classes. And I'd like to start there because I think there's a misconception, especially among younger teachers, that if I were doing this right or if I had the right administrative support, this would be so much easier and my classroom would operate flawlessly every day. Can you talk about this a little bit? What does a well-managed classroom realistically look like over the course of a month or a year? What struggles or problems would you say are reasonable and expected versus someone who is clearly perhaps struggling with their classroom management? Well, I think that one important part of understanding whether you're struggling or not is that can you look back and see where you went wrong and what mistakes you made? And do you know what you need to do to correct them? And so if you're in the dark about those things, if you're lost and unsure of what to do to make improvements in your classroom management, then you are struggling. As far as the first part of the question, you're right in that there are, you can have bad moments and bad days, and we can dig deeper into that a little bit. However, uh, your classroom should be improving. And I think no matter where you teach, it's reasonable with expert classroom management to have a well-behaved class. I like that idea, talking about it as a sort of continuous improvement. So am I understanding correctly that in one person's setting, their classroom could look really pretty not managed, but as long as they are on the trajectory in the right direction, you might say for them on that day, that's an okay thing because they're aware of it and they're taking steps to get it better every day. 
I think so. Um, though, again, we can dig a little a little bit deeper in that there are things you can do in the moment. Like for me, I wouldn't accept not having a good day. So I recommend stopping everything, moving back to the previous transition, restating your expectations and ensuring your students understand uh, what they are to do. And a reminder of what happens if those things aren't done. And so it, it's really a message to you that you need to back up, that that's something that, that you're doing. So just to accept it and go along with it, especially throughout an entire day, increases the likelihood that that's going to happen again. Now, if a teacher is still really learning about classroom management, and they've struggled in the past, then yes, I think that over time, as they keep learning, trajectory will look toward in improving. So let's talk a little bit about some of those things that we can do. Um, I, I feel like, and in reading your book a number of times, there are some parts of effective classroom management that can be a little bit more challenging to implement or at least take a while to establish, like developing a very trusting relationship with our students. That's sometimes difficult to do within you know three minutes or five minutes. But what are some things that you notice teachers aren't doing that they could be that would be easy or accomplish more quickly? Like what's the low hanging fruit that a lot of teachers are not picking and eating? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say the, the biggest thing and one of the, the biggest things that I see with really most teachers is they're not clear enough with what is expected from moment to moment throughout the day or throughout a lesson. And so before you even begin your lesson, it's critical that your students know all the parts, everything that's going to come next, actually second to second, what they need to be doing, what their expectations are. Most teachers gloss over this and students are left to fill in the gaps. And you'll have some students that will fill in those gaps productively, right? But most will not. What happens is the teacher ends up correcting, redirecting, wasting time, and trying to communicate to those students what they want them to do in the moment. And by then it's too late and it doesn't work that way. So it's really important that you lay everything out on the table beforehand and even have the students practice, even sit down in a, in a chair and model how you want them to take out their instrument exactly, showing them how to pull it out of the case, how to hold it, every little detail. Those details are critical and they transfer to everything you do. The raising the bar uh, of excellence on all that kind of stuff and teaching in details. And details are interesting to students. Uh, most teachers think it's the other way around. They've got to kind of gloss over this stuff because students will become bored. But the opposite is true. And so really, really being clear with this is what's expected and then shifting responsibility to students to do those sorts of things, which they love. It empowers them. It gives them purpose. It gives them, keeps them goal oriented every day, all day long. I want students to feel that burden. Like, what do I have to be doing right now? And my job as a teacher and our job as teachers is to observe and make sure they're doing those things 
And then that frees us to really focus on teaching great lessons. Can you give a couple other examples? You you gave a couple of instrumental examples in terms of getting your instrument out of the out of the case. Can you give some examples that are maybe general music related that that are like a detail that's in between times that most teachers just don't address? If you're talking about elementary, primary age students, you're going to show them everything. I like to even silently model. And so, uh, and then you have them practice. So I might choose a student to practice and mimic what I just did. And then I'll have five students do it. It also gives you a chance to praise them for doing it correctly. And students make students feel good. And again, it gives them purpose. I've even, I've, I've sat at a student's seat while the class is kind of arrayed around me and I'll show them how to read. I'll sit and read and turn the page and show them how to turn the page and where my eyes are. It's that specific. And what it what it does again is it really frees you to teach. And the students need to know these things. This discussion is kind of reminding me for the first time about the idea of the broken windows philosophy in in stopping crime and and how that can apply directly to this this classroom management and the idea for our listeners who aren't familiar with that is this idea that if a, a neighborhood has a broken window in a car or or a building it might look uncared for and therefore, they might be more tempted to litter, and then there's going to be litter and broken windows and so on and so on until it escalates. And uh, for the first, and I've been aware of that phenomenon for decades, and also this idea that we need to teach the students how to do everything. But the, the, I just sort of had this light bulb moment of this is basically the same thing that if we are in our class and we know that these small details are going to be taken care of, that how we're going to sit, how we're going to walk, and so on and so on. It just creates to this this atmosphere where we're less likely to litter or blurt something out without raising our hand, for example. Uh, I'm guessing, I see you nodding, that that connection you had already made at some point? Yeah. In fact, I, I wrote about it. I think there's an article called Broken Windows Theory in Classroom Management, and I wrote it probably a dozen years ago. It's on the website somewhere. But you're absolutely right. It's a culture of uh, excellence. In the beginning of the, the school year, when I'm teaching, right now I'm, I'm currently teaching in high school, but I've taught the elementary, middle school levels. But I want to take a phone away as soon as I possibly can. Hopefully within the first 15 minutes of explaining some of the basics of my classroom management plan and what's expected in the classroom. So I want a student to take out their phone so I can so I can take it away in front of the whole class to let them know that these details really matter. These little things really, really matter. You're right in that so often teachers lower their expectations because they think that students can't handle it, like it's somehow it's asking uh, too much of them or that the students will get angry at them or or they'll rebel, or there'll be a lot of uh, pushback. But when you raise those standards, the students love it. They love being part of something special. And so your classroom, it should be special. So when they walk in, it should look different. I I really recommend a a spotless, a Spartan-like 
atmosphere in your classroom, that there's some difference there. And if you're a music teacher and you're roaming from classroom to classroom, you have to somehow, when you arrive, there has to be a, has to be a difference, whether it's asking students to stand up or put their things away in a certain way. Um, there has to be a change that when they see you, the level of expectation is uh, is different. And part of that is being at an extreme level of asking for excellence and having extremely high expectations in the behavior. And one more thing is, and this is especially true if you're an elementary music teacher and you're seeing a lot of classes during the week, the classes are all very different. As, as you know, you may have a, a teacher bring students to you or you go into the classroom and it's chaotic. But here's the thing, over time, they can learn that when they're with you, they behave differently. When they see you, they behave differently. I used to always try to shoo the, the, the teacher away as soon as I possibly could because their presence was ruining uh, my class because the, the students did not behave the same way. That takes time for sure if you're seeing your students only once a week, but it's worth doubling down on and really focusing on it may take five or six weeks, but you'll get there. Yeah, it's like the, uh, the the phrase, around here we do it like this. In this room we do this. So you're not necessarily throwing other teachers under the bus. No, you're no, just no. saying, around here, this is what we do. Uh, you, you talk about making students mad with high expectations and how that doesn't happen. I, I, I agree. Um, I've heard it simplified like this. You just have to treat people really, 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 really well and hold them to a really, really, really high standard. And then you can keep... You can keep uh, chasing that upward. I think there's two things that make students mad. Uh, one is vagueness and, and inconsistency with the with the standards and expectations, and also unreasonable, stupid rules that don't really have or, or processes or procedures that don't really have a rationale. Could you can you talk about those two things that make students mad? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're inconsistent, you're being unfair. Mm -hmm. And students know that and they see that and it angers them and they'll see they may not let you know about it, uh, but it'll affect how they behave and whether they trust you and whether they want to follow your uh, your direction. So you absolutely whatever you say, whatever your rules are, however you say you're going to force them, you better do it. Uh, you really, really need to do it. It's absolutely key. It's key to your relationships with them. It's key to, again, their trust in you. It's also key to your likability, which is also really, really important. Every one of your rules must be best for your students. And you must be able to explain, not only must, you have to be able to explain to your students and do it why you have the rules that you do, why you have the expe expectations that you do, why you want them to hold the instrument a certain way or have those little details or sit and, and, and read the way you're asking them to read. What, what is the benefit to them? The why is huge. And there's a lot of research that shows that when you explain why, you're more likely to get you get people to follow you and agree with you and pull in the same direction. And with students, it's really, really important. You have to add that component in. 
I'm curious about classroom management strategies you found that are important and effective with students of all ages. I'm guessing the the clarity of instruction might be might be one of those or some of the things that we've talked about so far could apply for all ages. But if there are any others and then also some things that you've noticed, you said I'm teaching high school now that are more age specific or something that maybe would work great with a first or second grade class that you would not recommend trying uh, with a high school class it's amazing how similar they are it it really is incredible how closely aligned you know the the what you do uh if you're teaching kindergarten or if you're teaching high school students i will say that you'll do a lot more modeling the younger the students are and uh, modeling as in exactly specifically you know, how you walk in. And you can have fun doing it. Modeling it shouldn't be a, a, a slog or it's teaching just like you're teaching anything else. And when you bring the same enthusiasm to it and you realize how important it is, it can be just as fun as teaching whatever your subject matter is, teaching music or whatever. In high school, you may be doing some modeling in place. So you may do, be doing, as you're standing there, you may mimic things a little bit more. You may explain things more specifically because they can they can handle it. One difference that I that I have found is that the older the students are, the more they appreciate your kindness. You know, one of the the key uh, cornerstones of smart classroom management is that uh, we never create friction with students. So there's never a time when we uh, cut students down, we never uh, berate them or lecture them or anything like that. The, the relationship with students is absolutely critical and it's what makes your classroom management plan uh, matter to students. So it's really, really important, your likability and your kindness. The younger students, they, of course they like it when you smile at them and they're nice to them. But the older they are, especially high school students, they deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I'm not sure if that's because, and I should say consistent kindness, your consistent pleasantness, your understanding, your, even when you hold them accountable, you can hold them accountable by saying, oh man, I'm sorry, dude, I gotta, you know, I gotta follow through kind of thing. So they appreciate your realness in that way. Um, and over time, over the, the weeks, when they, they come to uh, know that that's who you are and you'll always be treating them with, with respect, it really has a, a, a profound effect on them. What are you noticing about classroom management post-pandemic? Are, are there some drastic changes? Do you have any advice that you might give us to deal with the fact that in a lot of places, things don't maybe look or feel like they did in 2019? Yeah, kids are really struggling. A lot of mental health issues, really struggling. Uh, behavior is, they come to your classroom. I think some are angry, a lot of misbehavior, a lot of issues. They're behind academically, immature all those kinds of things. In response, however, I've, I've found that, that school districts, teachers, schools, in response to that, they're lowering the bar, which makes it even worse, which makes things worse. 
you know, my response has been that when we raise the bar and we do all these things that we've been talking about as, as far as creating a culture of excellence, they feel a sense of purpose, which is just about the best thing for their mental health. So when they have a purpose and they have a reason for doing what they're, what they're doing and they have goals and you're constantly creating goals and objectives and challenges for them to overcome and you're, and you're giving them the tools to do those things. So you're giving them a, an objective every day. You're giving them an objective. You're shifting responsibility on their shoulders, which is so good for them. So you're doing that. You're giving them goals. You're teaching them how to attain those goals. Then when they attain those goals, you praise them for it. Worthy praise. And these things, those things that I just said those past three or four sentences are so, so powerful and they have a, a real profound effect and positive effect on, um, I think, recovering from the, you know, the learning loss and the, the struggles of the pandemic. Well, let's shift away from classroom management for just a moment. What advice do you have for teachers when it comes to interacting with their administration or with their other teaching colleagues? Well, with administration, I would say don't interact with them uh, other than to just say hello, uh, because the classroom is your responsibility. It's not theirs. And so when you hear about, well, I'm not getting support from administration, generally that means my administrator isn't handling classroom management in my classroom. They're not taking care of the behavior issues in my classroom. The only time that you would ever send a student, should ever send a student or uh, confer with administration is if something happens in your, your classroom that must be documented. So something dangerous happens and you absolutely have to uh, let your administrator know what you're doing about it. And if they can, um, if they would like to be part of that, but otherwise it's empowering for you you're responsible for what happens in your in your classroom. And if you send a student up to handle general behavior issues, or you talk to your administrator and say, hey, my class is out of control, you're essentially telling your, your principal, your administrator that you can't handle your classroom, right? You're also telling your students, the buck doesn't stop with me. And so uh, neither one of those is a, is a good... Uh, is, is good for you. As far as colleagues, uh, I recommend uh, professionalism. Uh, I think it's okay over time to become friends, but I would be very cautious about that. And I think it's really important to be professional and for the most part, um, only speak if you have something important to say. I had an administrator once who said that in the uh, the candidate question part of the interview, if they ever asked something like, does the administration around here support the teacher with their classroom management? They immediately moved to the bottom of the list of candidates because it was <laughs> always a sign that they didn't have good classroom management. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it should just be, I think, hello, there's no reason to take your plan and the things that you're doing and show your principal because if if you do that they're going to have uh they're going to have comments 
Well, Michael Linson, thank you very much for joining us today to share your insight on these important topics. Uh, can we close down with the lightning round on a few lighter subjects? Of course, I would love to. What is your favorite dining establishment in San Diego? I love this place called Ambrosia 15. It's a neighborhood uh, place uh, pretty close to the beach. And so if, you, uh, if anyone ever visits uh, San Diego, I would, I would recommend that, a local's place, delicious food. Do you have a favorite musician or band you are checking out these days? I don't really like live music, but I love jazz. And so uh, I listen to a lot of uh, Miles Davis radio on Pandora is my, my favorite. I can listen to that all day long. A book recommendation for our listeners can be one of yours or a different one. Well, for uh, teachers, I would recommend uh, Breath by James Nestor. I think it'd be an awesome book for musicians also if those are musicians that uh, wind or brass, I guess, if you're blowing. <laughs> so um, it's also a, a book about uh, breathing and your mental and physical health. Do you have a favorite film or TV series these days? You know, I've been watching Chef's Table on uh, Netflix. I find it incredibly inspiring. That's my recommendation. There's a new one out about pizza that's fantastic. And finally, if you weren't a teacher, what career do you think you might have had? Maybe a police officer. Something similar where there is a puzzle of uh, with people and dealing with people, uh, trying to control what seemingly is uncontrollable. I love stuff like that. I think that's why I love uh, teaching and classroom management so much. Michael Linson, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your work in classroom management. It's been a pleasure. Yep, uh, me too. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. You've been listening to Music Ed Insights. Please support this podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it. We want to make this as thoughtful and practical as possible. Please send us your ideas for guests and suggestions for improvement. You can do that through our website, www.musicedinsights.com. You can also reach us on our Facebook page, Music Ed Insights, or via Twitter, at Music Ed Insights. Our website is also the place to find program notes, links, and a one-page download of this episode's key takeaways. That's www.musicedinsights.com insights.com. This podcast is sponsored and supported by Normal Design, Winterset Websites, Group Dynamic, and the Co-College Music Education Program. Learn more about them at our website and let us know if your business or organization would like to join that list. New episodes drop every two weeks on Monday mornings. Get current. Stay relevant. Music Ed Insights.